It can be told in few enough words. We are not certain of his intentions even yet. They talk. So I am told. And I am recording. All right. Three, two, one. Pretty close. Yeah. Close enough to figure it out. For sure. Good enough for government right. work. Hey, y'all. I'm... Fu- I'm- <laughs> I know how to speak words, and I'm Phil. I'm Kyle. I'm Daniel. And today we are the Unsociablists. As you notice, we're joined once again by a guest, a good friend of mine who happens to also be an exemplary poet. And he is going to join us on a little discourse about uh, leftism and its influence in modern music. Welcome, Daniel. Yeah, thanks so much. It's kind words from my buddy Phil. Nothing but kind words. Ah, but yeah, we will have him actually doing some of his poetry in this episode. Daniel is going to be joining us for some bits as well. He's going to be here to kind of help us through kind of his experience with music and politics inside of those that music. Which is definitely good because he has a very wide breadth of uh, listening that I know I don't get to so much. I've, I've got a lot of coverage in the realms of pop punk and uh, more of the rock genres, but my exposure to hip hop was very limited throughout my early life, so uh, I have a little less experience with some of that music. Oh, sure, yeah. I, I came up on hip hop, but yeah, my tastes have, have always varied widely. Oh, yeah, no, I know you, you're the one who introduced me to bands like Portugal the Man, who also has some excellent leftist music. Definitely. Oh, they're fun. Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of the. Uh, the leftist messaging comes through very obscure lyrics, but the sound is great. <laughs> oh, yeah. As long as the tunes are jamming, the the message can hopefully sink in over multiple listens. I think that most of my experience with kind of music talking about leftist or uh, communist themes or, you know, themes about history in general is through telling stories about history, telling stories about uh, revolution or telling stories about strikes things that have affected like left their mark on the human or on our history on our consciousness i think that art and music in particular is very you know it's a storytelling medium as much as anything else and i think that's where a lot of things in uh music and culture aren't necessarily about themes it's pretty obvious to draw some with a a a genre as uh i i don't know maybe not emotional maybe just expressive as music and like you mentioned uh storytelling is definitely what drew me to the hip-hop genre uh just the the ability to uh fit so much content and messaging into one song just a matter of a few minutes yeah definitely uh in in my adult life i've definitely taken a lot of that away from my hip-hop listening uh, but also i see it a lot in a lot of the uh, old alt rock i used to listen to i mean i know sublime is a big fan of anecdotal leftism i think it's kind of a funny question too it's like how much of culture actually uh reflects politics how much of culture can be I don't know, even influenced in a political way, because it is something that I, I think a lot of analysis, but also just a lot of our political energy seems devoted to, you know, there's there right now, take right now, there's the controversy over Lil Nas X's newest music video for Montero. And is that where we've been playing a lot of our politics? Is that kind of like a meaningful 
uh, expenditure of energy. I think, you know, personally, as a person who makes what I wish was art, but is really just, you know, corporatized media for a fucking living, uh, like I want it to mean something, but it's a it's a it's a tough question or a tough thing to deal with. Unfortunately, there is that uh, there is that barrier of profitability versus uh, uh, actually creating a discourse of something meaningful. And a lot of music, especially, has recently gone to more profit motive based uh, recording rather than having expressive lyrics. Right, right. I think that that lends to the obscurity in a, a lot of the the songs that we hear now is. If you, if you don't know exactly what they're talking about, it might be easier to sell. But that's a lot of my favorite bands. Uh, bands like uh, the Mars Volta or Portugal the Man that you mentioned. And uh, Silver Sun Pickups may be my favorite band. And I don't think I... Yeah, don't know, don't know exactly what they were talking about for at least the first two or three albums. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, their lyrics are super obscure. And uh, if you don't kind of deep dive into them, they just kind of sound like good jam band lyrics. Silver Sun made like a... And same, I think, with Portugal, the man is they made a pretty big splash with some of their, I guess, what? That was like early 2010s, mid 2010s when they were getting popular, like not necessarily hugely popular, but like had two or three hits. And yeah, it's not it's not always when you can make the message. I mean, you know, there's a there's a, a value in subtlety, but there's also a way that you kind of hide the message or at least yeah make it more obscure make it deeper for your people to to find that there's some merit to that but honestly i'm still of course a big fan of just good old-fashioned rage against the machine type lyrics where they're just gonna bash you over the head with government is pretty fucking evil cool with that i mean it's not like i'm necessarily a subtle person no, no our, our podcast is very subtle kyle what are you talking about we've it's never said we hate capitalism people are having to dig very deeply and very carefully in this subtext is dead and we killed it i think you you guys you guys go at a, a rage level of harshness i dig it well I, that's a compliment very kind words from you daniel appreciate that it is nice to see that you know some bands may make their splash with you know the more wordy and uh strange indecipherable lyrics but actually grow into uh being more clear with their messaging and just uh generally spreading love for humanity yeah that's always a good message to see more uh clearly uh formulated as opposed to as opposed to the reverse making a splash with with a message and then slowly selling out that message over the course of your career yeah the uh green day route not to name names. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, never, but also Green Day's new but album man, is, Dookie is literally so good. just goofy silliness. But man, Dookie is so good. I mean, they've all... I mean, even up, to, up through American Idiot. Green Day's never been like a revolutionary fucking... I mean, yeah, American Idiot, there were co there was still commentary existing. But, it, you know, there's a, there's a... I feel like they had already made it. So at that point, it might have just been within the kind of acceptable realm, what Chomsky or whatever, uh, when he says, like, it's within the acceptable realm of politics, uh, an acceptable spectrum of it, of opinion. Yeah, they were definitely, like, right on the cutting edge where uh, punk rock changed, kind of changed into pop punk. Oh, my God. They might have even been one of the as much. And I do. I really like Green Day's music. I don't know if it's embarrassing or not, but I do really like it. And yeah, it, it's kind of sellouty, you know? It's kind of maybe they even pioneered part of this descent into ever increasing what would you call it? Selloutitude? I don't know. 
I think that that's always been a part of it. I think that artists in a lot of times and all over the world have given up some motivation that they had in order to make it because we do, as you mentioned earlier, I think we commodify it. I don't know how much that's a change, how much more this is just like an intensification of it. But like what you had like one or two guys like Michelangelo, like really like during the days of patronage is like you just found a rich dude to hang out with while he, you know, let you just fulfill your vision. And you were just lucky to be that person right then because so many really good artists live in horrible poverty and have been throughout history. How much of that is just a reality of living in either in a, scar- a world marred by scarcity, either manufactured or otherwise. And back in those times, there were very few and far between actual leftist agendas in music. Like Mozart, he was the same kind of thing, bankrolled by a rich dude, uh, but he still managed to sneak anti-capitalist motifs into some of his lyrics. So, you know, it's uh, there's there's it's uh, it's all about how uh, intelligent they were being about it, but it definitely was uh, touch and go and trickier back, uh, back in those days. And now instead of it being one rich dude, it's, an enti- it's a rich... Right, it's a rich committee. Yeah. <laughs> sure, t- today's musicians may have more options because of more places to find content, but they're still, they have to be addicted to either seeking clicks or plays or views, or maybe they're one of the special ones that can make their money touring and not worry too much about that. Yeah. Good luck with that right now. (laughs) Also, it's like, what if you do live in that world where it's like, yeah, you have other options, you have other niche markets, but there's still markets. There's still like you need to you need to sell something there, which is fucking I I think there's a place, obviously, in a utopian communist heaven. When wherever I go after my body decomposes and my soul probably doesn't exist. But you know, let's say for the sake of optimism that there's some sort of afterlife and I get to chill out in my perfect world. That perfect world definitely obviously has musicians and artists. I wonder though, how much, how much that's just kind of impossible when we create a commodified world, right? Like there's, there are a lot of people like, I don't know if they're Luddites or what, but that, uh, what's the meme? It's like before and after pictures, of people before they said that the uh, commune doesn't need another poet and after they said it. And it's like, well, there's no barrier, I think, to art when it becomes a universal pursuit. And I think that's what the perfect world would make it. It would just take it away from the functionality because there is obviously functionality in creating for others. But it would take that away from the fundamental relationship. Right. I think that the essence of art basically is comes from, one, obviously inspiration, but two, is just wanting to be heard. And we pretty much everybody wants to be heard one way or another. It's just a matter of do they, do they choose a, a medium? Do they really seek out a way to, to express themselves artistically? And uh, capitalism can sure uh, discourage that in many ways. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's uh, far too easy in our current society if you have musical ambitions to 
back down from your ideals in the name of what our radio tells us is listenable. Yeah, profit motive is not the proper motivator for real and inspiring and lasting art in any form. Yeah, amen. The Adventures of Zorzan and Aglob, episode 22, Getting Tuned In. Friend Zorzan, remind me, why did we bring this other guy along? Don't worry, he's cool. He's an intergalactic expert on music, and he's keen to study Earth music next. We were already going, so it only made sense to let him tag along. Well, I for one like our dynamic, but I suppose I should practice loving over judging. Still, I do think this Bipzindo Golzar is a little too unprofessional. Aglob, my dude, I told you to just call me Bibson. Anyway, I just wrapped up my analysis. Ah, wonderful. I can't believe in all these visits we've never examined Earth music. What did you find? Well, at first, I was worried they were all brainwashed. The music most commonly listened to on their radio transmissions contained no substance whatsoever. They offer the listeners meaningless platitudes, selling the idea that they should be content and consume regardless of well-being. That, or they often complain about romantic failures, it was not particularly insightful stuff. Well, I suppose from what we know of Earth, I should be unsurprised. Guess it's time to head back Hold and- Hold on, that was just my initial read. After I actually looked into the history of their music, I found a very different vibe. It's honestly kind of suspicious how uniform and uninteresting their lyrics became. What do you mean? Are you claiming the people who wield power in their societies have been controlling their music? I don't want to flat out claim it, but it's definitely weird. Take this country genre. Back in their 1960s and 70s, the artists of this genre would sing songs about the ineptitude and evil of law enforcement to prison venues. Now, that same genre mostly consists of men from New Jersey who have never so much as touched a farm tool telling the ignorant masses about how much they love their tractors. Gracious, that does seem odd. I don't think those even qualify as the same genre at that point. Well, that's messed up, but I see there are a multitude of Earth music genres. Surely one being corrupted That's just it. It's way more than one. They have a genre called punk rock. And at first, it was a style of music exclusively about resisting the oppression of the corporate machines put in place to govern the will of the people. Now, most punk rock bands are actually called pop punk, and basically avoid politics and resistance as themes altogether. Still, it's not all bad. The hip-hop and some indie rock genres still seem to have an abundance of music addressing the betterment of the people and freedom from oppression, though there are exceptions. Ah, yes. I see here there are a lot of songs against war, and in favor of caring for all fellow humans. Well, that's at least optimistic. So, is your analysis then that there's still hope for their music to aid in the resistance of hierarchical thinking? You know, Aglob, I'm not sure. There are a lot of people who only listen to what plays over the airwaves, but there are also more people every day getting upset with the system they live in. If enough people decide that what they want to hear is a message of free thinking, hopefully the tunes will follow along. In the meantime, though, as long as your agenda is to spread love, nothing wrong with enjoying a club banger. 
Tune in next week for more Adventures of Zorzan and Oglob. And Bibson. I've been, like, feeling really sick the last, like, two days. Like, it's just been generally kind of gross. I think it's because it's springtime, and I'm here in the, what, Atlantic Eastern Seaboard, and it's just swampy and gross. Been, like, halfway breathing through one nostril for the last, like, three fucking, uh, like, three fucking days. And tis the season. I was just telling him I've got some sniffles this morning, trying to suppress them. Yeah, I just want, like, I, I love the spring. I love, actually, the rain and everything. I just really wish that uh, maybe it wasn't quite so bad right now because it just is so fucking disgusting. I go down to do the laundry, and I'm in this old building. I'm in this building, like, right here in uh, the center of Philly that, like, all the buildings around me have basically been developed. So there's huge apartment complexes right next to me. They're really big... Um, what do you call them? Like, they're basically mixed-use buildings. They're all those new fancy... Well, fancy. They're new, and they're, like, futuristic-y looking. The ones with the gross, like, panels and shit. The things that are cookie-cutter as hell. Um, but I live on a block that's still just a bunch of row homes and, uh, like, apartments on top of buildings or on top of businesses. And our place has to be, like, a good century old or whatever. And the basement is just fucking disgusting it's hilarious like i'd rather have it that way than be living over in one of the fancy apartment places because i couldn't afford that but i go down into this basement where i have to duck down it's like it's got like a fucking hobbit hobbit hole door sized entrance that you know anybody above five foot has to like crouch and so i go down there and immediately just and bombarded with mildew and mold and all the shit like that's collected down there all the dust and things that have collected because of um the the laundry being down there so the second i come back up i just sneeze for the next like five minutes yeah that does not sound like any kind of fun i'm i'm suffering a little bit because uh since it's been in like the 50s, 60s here for a bit now, it's actually 70 for a couple days. And so I had the window open for a couple days here and there, and I left it open last night when I went to go take a nap with Jackie, and then I woke up to it being in the low 30s, high 20s, and so our house was a little chilly. Yeah, a little chilly. So, you know, spring is like that, and you know Missouri spring, where the weather can go from 70 <laughs> degrees to 30 degrees in the course of a day. Yeah, that's how it is. Midwest life, and I don't know, I... I really only ever lived on the eastern part of Missouri, so I have no fucking clue what it's like in the rest of the Midwest, but I assume equally unpredictable. I know I lived in uh, Kirksville, which is the northwest part of the state yeah, for colder. a good bit when I was going to college, and uh, that was same same kind of weather. So it's I think it's just the whole that whole area. Yeah, it seems like everywhere between the uh, the mountains and the Mississippi, we all get those drastic swings. I kind of love that about uh, the Colorado area when I'm there. It can, it's a little different because you can see a storm blow over in a, in a matter of minutes. The temperature can drop 20 or 30 degrees and then just go right back up as soon as it's passed. That's kind of sick. Yeah, I mean, that, it, it's uh, for the record, I, lo I love weather like that when I'm not actively exposed to it. <laughs> I just don't like the, the being outdoors in it. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, uh, life has been pretty normal, like I said. I mean, other than... The bank trying to screw me over and then a real person taking sympathy on me. Yeah, I love how we've kind of algorithmized, algorithmic, I don't know, how we've turned over all of our decision making to the algorithm, which will fuck everybody. Like, there's no, 
human aspect to it. We let the algorithm decide who can post what on social media. We let the algorithm decide uh, which deliveries you're going to make as a instant cart person. And we let the algorithm decide whether or not you get to keep your bank account. Bow down to the mighty algorithm. Yeah, and of course, if you do overdraft your bank account and you're a poor person, if you're a poor person and you're uh, trying to contribute to society by actually having any kind of functioning capital, then uh, they're like, well, we're going to take some of this capital, turn it into more money for rich people. Oh, you don't have enough money to turn your money into more money for rich people? Then we're going to punish you. Yeah, it's just an, another way of taxing the poor. Yeah. We live in a country where the, the system is built very obviously to benefit the rich, but you look at places like even shitty places like the UK or, you know, the capitalist countries of Europe where they're, ta they, you know, you always hear the thing like, oh, the tax rates are so high there. And really, uh, the real tax rates that they pay the people who are at our level of, uh, of uh, income, you know, lower to middle, lower class, um, working class people, they don't get taxed in the same at the same rates as Americans do because... Americans get taxed. We we have so many regressive taxes. Like we have so many different jurisdictions of sales tax, of uh, use tax, of excise taxes that doesn't happen to wealthy people who, you know, the, the corporate tax rate is so fucking low. Like the corporate tax rate in places like Ireland, uh, pretty low, but still uh, the American tax rate for regular people is so much higher especially for considering you know what we get for it yeah i think Amer americans are pretty woefully ignorant of what we actually get for our taxes considering half our half of our tax money approximately goes to the military industrial complex yeah daniel and i were actually just talking about this yesterday wouldn't be so bad if we were taxed at these rates and we were getting say free health care for it as opposed right. to just military bases around the world. Now, we, we can see why so, so much of our politics, the air is taken up simply by saying, you know, no more taxes. So many people just want no more taxes. But that's because in this country, we just kind of see what our taxes get us and don't get us. And people think, well, government doesn't work. I don't want to give them any more money than I have to. Yeah, I mean, can you blame anybody for not... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, obviously, avoid taxes. If you can do it, like, try to write off as much shit as possible because, what, are you supposed to give that away to some jackass who's gonna give off, like, a sweet deal contract to one of his neighbors who he likes or, you know, to his fail son to do the roads or something? There's no point in giving this capitalist structure any more money than it already extracts from you. It's not coming back to you. I feel like it's rare when you come across people who are like, oh, you know, taxing taxes is like somebody's uh, civic duty or whatever, and they get like all excited to pay taxes or some shit. I don't think it's all that real, but I think that you'll see it on places like Twitter is that liberal mindset where you're like, I want to contribute to the state and building a functioning state. And it's like, why? Well, I mean, they must be getting something more than I do because or maybe that's just about feeling good about it, yourself and making yourself feel like you're contributing more so to the system than others. But I have no clue why anybody would feel excited to support a tax regime that doesn't give anybody anything in return. 
yeah, I mean, it's it makes sense that the U.S. Libertarian Party is what it is. It's still re- remarkably regressive, and uh, it's one of the dumbest uh, versions of libertarianism out there. But it, it makes sense under the U.S. construct because we've turned tax into a a, a farce here in this uh, this country. Yeah, I think those people that are you know seem eager to to pay their taxes uh, are just sort of intentionally putting on their rose colored glasses and just thinking that. Well, this is the way it should be. Our, our our tax this we have to pay our taxes so that we can get good the goods and services that our sweet sweet mother government provides. You know all that uh, health care that costs ten times as much as mo- almost any other country. That's uh, definitely well worth our tax money. Yes, you are welcome. Yeah, we're lucky if we get you know decent roads and bridges and some kind of public transportation, but even that's, yeah, even, uh, even our roads and bridges are terrible. I mean, exactly. uh, I saw a post actually on the St. Louis uh, subreddit recently that cracked me up. It was, uh, why, why, uh, why are people filling up the motherfucking potholes with cookie crumble? (laughs) I think this is kind of like an interesting point to take us into our discussion because like part of, part of that, that idea that there are people who, for whatever stupid reason are like excited to pay tax into this system. Like, the liberals who are like, ah, now that Biden's in charge, I feel good about sending away my taxes. That's because it's completely divorced from any kind of a material analysis. Like it's completely separate from what tax is actually providing or taking away from. It's all kind of a cultural signifier. It's all kind of giving people a way to show their virtue or show that what team they're on by engaging in the tax code as a cultural phenomenon as opposed to analyzing it materially. Yeah, I agree. That's that's kind of what I was thinking is since since we only have two teams to choose from in this in uh, our country, we have one team that says no taxes ever, please stop all the taxes and of course the blue team says no, we we need your taxes to get these all these wonderful things done that you may never see the benefits of. But I mean, of. Blue Maga has this, that mentality not just about taxes. It's like it's whatever team you're rooting for, as soon as they do the same thing that the other team would have done anyways, suddenly you're in favor of it. It's the kids in cages being obviously the most m- modern go-to example. Oh, yeah. Classic binary thinking. Trump has kids in cages. Ah, he's the demon. He's the devil himself. Biden has kids in cages. He's He's doing his best to try to stop immigration. Also, those immigrants should know better. Right. It's the exact same fucking arguments that we heard from uh, regular MAGA people in 2018. It's like, well, what are they supposed to do? Except that there's like, it's very obvious that the large corporate media is in the tank for Biden mm-hmm. um, and was throughout the election. I mean, you could say that a lot of them were still overly sympathetic to Trump because he was just that much of a piece of shit but he got eyeballs like twitter sucks now i'm not even on twitter anymore but like i can tell twitter from everybody else's posts it seems like everything is slowing down because t- there is no trump to kind of like hey, we can go back to brunch yeah we can all go back to brunch we don't need to scroll all day i mean i guess my thing with the republican versus democrat uh failings is that at least when the republicans do something blatantly evil that's their mo to begin with so it's a little less hip i mean their hypocrisy is has been their games for so long that it's no longer even that hypocritical whereas the democrats their hypocrisy is uh laced under we're the good guys right you know nobody thinks of themselves as the bad guy or whatever but at the very least when mitch mcconnell just completely ignores precedent that he set himself 
You know, it's just because he recognizes what power is. He 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 just actually wields the uh, systems that he is at the head of instead of Democrats who, despite what they may say, despite saying access to this or that all the time, what they are truly allegiant to is liberalism and the ideology of capitalism. The increased prominence of what is now kind of turning into a bourgeois feudal, neo-feudal state, right? We're becoming a world where they've given so many breaks to people like Jeff Bezos, people like Elon Musk to create these little fiefdoms that their good billionaires or good millionaires like Bill Gates can take over when all of the things that they're saying to get people to vote for them are completely opposite to that. In the same way that I guess, you know, Republicans may lie on the campaign trail. It just doesn't feel quite so craven. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's because it's I'm what you expect from Republicans, and yeah. I guess that is part. Of, I mean, that in, that in and of itself is a problem because the left is held to a higher standard. Even the center right is held to a higher standard. So the left, it's of course held to an impossible standard, which is part of the reason it's impossible for us to actually have any momentum in this governmental system. Well, I think that it's less that and more just that they've completely eroded any of our ability to build power and hold on to power, right? Like there's a material basis to this and it's not, you know, just that we're held to different standards. It's that those standards are applied through powerful systems, right? There's a material end goal to all of this opinion making. Yeah, that's exactly why we're held to that higher standard so they can force the opinion that the left doesn't know what they're doing and is just as evil on the people. In a way, I'm surprised that we haven't seen Democrats try to slap the the anarchist label on a lot of Republicans, considering their general take on things seems to be that government doesn't work. So why should we try to uh, make it work? Oh, you know that they've done that, too. I mean, whenever um, the January 6th Capitol shit went down, they started calling them anarchists. Idiots from across the country who went to see their orange man talk, and he said, go to the Capitol, I'll be there. And, you know, it was, he wasn't there, and they got, you know, fucked over by it. I but this is just one more example it, of hypocrisy you know. from the Democrats, because uh, when there's people rioting on Capitol Hill on our shores, then they're like, look at these proud boys, they should be shut down, they should be shot in the streets. But when there's an actual coup in Venezuela that is, that kills far more people, they're like, oh, well, we should let Janine Inez out of prison. She's being treated Bolivia. unfairly. Bolivia. I know what I meant. <laughs> Yeah, no. The other uh, when Morales when Morales was overthrown and uh, and Inez killed and her people murdered a bunch of other people. They were and then that all wrapped up and was pr- a proven and defined coup. They were like, eh, she's she she's being treated too harshly by her government. This is unfair. Yeah. Meanwhile, they were they were all excited about the arrest order going out for Evo Morales after he had been uh, deposed in a coup. But the second that an actual a, a murderer, a, th- a person who brought the giant, the biggest Bible they could find to throw it down and say, we don't like indigenous people in their Congress. The second that that person gets arrested correctly for the massacres that they engineered, they, they get all up in arms. They're like, oh, no, we need pr- prison abolition. The prison abolition isn't going to start with Janine Añez. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's that's been America's foreign policy basically uh historically is let's make sure that whoever is supporting capitalism and shoving socialism down is uh has as much support as they need yeah 
Sensible Secret Service Agent. Sir, we've arrived at the site and are preparing to initiate the op. Good. This stupid hippie festival is an outrage. All these granola-munching, free-loving tree-huggers are making it damn near impossible to get people to support the war. I can't stand those Georgetown dandies at the CIA, but desperate times call for desperate measures. Are you and the plant both ready? Yes, sir. I've planted myself in the crowd, and the intel officer is about to go on as soon as Creedence Clearwater Revival finishes their set. However, sir, I don't think this is going to work. For one... I'm wearing a pretty obvious wire to stay in touch with you. Nonsense. These dope fiends are too brain-dead to form rational thoughts. As soon as someone on stage tells them what to think, they'll change their tune in a heartbeat. They're mindless sheep, just like all the little people. Once the hippies are on our side, there won't be anyone to resist our empire. Alright, I'll take your word for it. I'm not complaining anyway, the vibe here is pretty great. Anyway, CCR just wrapped up, and the op is going live now. Yeah, great job. Let's give it up for Creedence Clearwater Revival. Man, these newfangled guitar music sure are good, and definitely not noise pollution that dilutes the promise and virtue of today's youth. Do you know what rocks even harder, though? Being overseas and fighting the filthy Viet Cong. Uh, actually, we're here to protest the war, man. This whole thing's about love. Oh, yeah, of course. But sometimes to spread love, you have to spread democracy. And sometimes the only way to spread democracy is to shoot the people who don't agree with you. Like those damn VC, am I right? No, I mean, yeah, totally. Uh, hey, hey, man. You got, like, a curly headset wire come out your ear? Also, you should really tune this guy out. He seems kind of like the man, man. No, of course I'm not the man. I'm just a fellow rock and roller fab dude who thinks you should all burn your drugs. No, I mean, not by smoking them. Damn, that backfired. Well, now that you've all destroyed your brains, I'm sure you'll be more than ready to listen. You all love the fine folks in Washington, right, dudes? Hey now, um, how about racial segregation? Or women being treated worse in the name of keeping lower class infighting alive and well? Hey, whoa, get back. Isn't anyone going to get these disgusting hippies off the stage and away from me? Ah. <laughs> whoa, this stuff is great. I just watched an amorphous hate blob get pounded by the righteous force of love. What did you give me, man? Um, regular chocolate. You might need glasses, brother. Oh, darn. The op looks like it failed. Well, we tried, sir. Oh, whoops. And I just confirmed to the guys standing next to me that it was an op. Looks like the hippies outsmarted us this time. Damn hippies. Start the car, Jerry. Haroo! Sensible Secret Service Agent. I've been reading a book with my book club called The Jakarta Method by Vincent Bevins, if you've heard of it. No. It's um it's about the coup in 1965 in Indonesia and how that kind of laid a groundwork for 
following, uh, you know, other coups that the United States supported abroad. It was basically like, oh, the thing we did in Guatemala isn't quite working a decade later. So how about we train the military and train a bunch of people at the, the School of Americas or Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. And that way, when they go back, they'll have this anti-communist connection and we can use them as a quiet infiltrator of that government. Because in 1958, they had bombed Indonesia and got caught out for it. <laughs> they were like, oh no, PR's bad with that, so we got to do something a bit more subtle. Yeah, as, as the world police, it is very necessary that, that we uh, export our values. So this is a question that I've had kind of on my mind for a while now, and I think I've mentioned it in previous episodes. How how much can we rely on culture to be an avenue of change, like a revolutionary tool? How much can we focus on that, and how much is it actually to our detriment to kind of ignore the material basis that the culture is coming out of? See, I'm not inclined to say that embracing the culture, the music, and the the, you know the the music the spectacle i'm not i don't think that necessarily embracing that automatically incapacitates you from engaging in the actual structures of society that are damaging to us i do think though that you do have a point the, the, the culture of music as much as it may have promote the correct messages may not always uh, actually it can change uh, hearts and minds but it may not actually cause any active change because a lot of the people whose hearts and minds it changes might not necessarily be uh, in, inclined to go out and do something about it I think part of the reason that we can't we can't rely on culture to create mass change is that culture is so fragmented. Unlike the way we see our politics as as a two party two team system, culture itself you you have a lot of options on what to dedicate your attention and perhaps your patronage and money to when it comes to music. I I tend to look at art on. The wide scope, I, I include, personally, I, I include sports in uh, the arts. I just consider it a performance art and physical art form, basically just like ballet or, or any kind of dance. That actually uh, brings something to my mind. There was that uh, clip when uh, during the primary back in early 2020 where there was an MMA fight and there was this uh, Trump piece of shit facing off against the Bernie Sanders guy. The Bernie Sanders guy knocked him out in like less than a minute and then said, Bernie Sanders, bitch. And I thought that, like, that, went out, that went really viral and I liked it, but I don't know if it actually changed anything because like, as you can see, Bernie Sanders still got, still got very screwed by right. the machine. Didn't win because of it. I do think it's fair to say that... Uh, there's no, there's certainly no harm in having leftism brought to the forefront in our media and in our music and whatnot, even if it's not necessarily changing the world. Yeah, I mean, like, what was the first thing that ever made you feel like, I don't know, that that there was kind of that energy that was that that existed that you could kind of have a different politics. I feel like music had a part in my political journey, but yeah, I don't know how much you could say that's like praxis or something just either being a fan or creating a lot of music it feels like there there needs to be something further i think it's fair to say that i didn't become like a full on proper leftist until uh around uh, 2015 late 2015 when we started seeing bernie sanders name pop up in presidential nomination prospects before that though i did i i mean my parents as i've mentioned are not exactly the most uh, leftist people so when i went to college i had a head full of centrist nonsense bullshit and one of the things that uh, kind of 
uh, triggered for me that maybe it doesn't. I don't need to be so centered outside of you know just being at a relatively progressive area. I was I, I got into Guitar Hero around then, and the song "Killing in the Name" was on Guitar Hero too, and that that song became my jam for a bit. So definitely, uh, kind of it, it definitely played a factor in realizing that maybe our institutions aren't perfect. I suppose I was lucky to be raised by parents that didn't do a whole lot of intentional indoctrination and uh, just heaping their values upon their children. We were all pretty uh, free thinkers and encouraged to have a mind of our own. They may not have approved of me picking up the uh, the rap and hip hop as a teenager, but they weren't going to actively try to stop it. Uh, the first CD anyone ever gave me and suggested I listen to was uh, All Eyes on Me, the double album from Tupac. I think that's what got me into music originally. Tupac's catalog really comes from just a lot of anger and maybe a lot of it, you could say a lot of it's misplaced, but certainly the anger living in the system we live in is justified. I eventually came around by the turn of the millennium to uh, artists like Most Def and Talib Kweli and uh, also went back to KRS-One. And I think I think hip hop is where I absorbed a lot of, really just learned a lot about the uh, black experience in our country, the racism that our country was founded and, and built on, and which we we know just continues. The system just it's a it's a very resilient system they've uh, constructed. Yes, a resilient one and one that I think can absorb a lot of attacks on it. It can just take those punches and even reroute them right like we've seen with a lot of artists like say killer mike you know he has these hard lyrics these lyrics that are very anti-cop anti-government and seem on the surface very obviously revolutionary but his actual politics after being successful for however long it's not the same as what his art is representing i think that tupac's like a really interesting example too because he tried to like recreate the Black Panthers in his uh, neighborhood. He tried to do something in the in the wor- real world outside of simply culture, and I think he ran into a roadblock because he. It seems like that was it wasn't going to change the world. His music wasn't going to necessarily change the world, but doing something like bringing Compton another uh, Black Panthers chapter might. And his mom actually is like an incredible organizer revolutionary so it's interesting to just to learning about a lot of these figures who are in art like whether or not they their art is itself revolutionary or political their background their use of that platform and the use of their means that they get from it is interesting to know about and on the on the opposite side of that same coin there's the uh, the jay-z phenomenon he's you know one of the first billionaires to make it in music especially black billionaires and he uh, has tons of songs about oh just be on that grind there's article i've seen i saw a lot of articles when i was researching this episode praising how uh how many money lessons are in his songs this is how he can teach you how to capitalism properly so it's uh it's interesting how you know if you have that uh, i don't know if this money came first or the or the uh capitalist ideals came first but there is uh, definitely two sides to that coin about living your living the life a- a- in combination with the art that you actually provide right yeah as kyle was saying it, it certainly matters a lot more what they do what, uh, what an artist does outside of their uh their medium or platform going through tupac's catalog you find that he does i think he really indicates that 
music was a way to get money and that that was his that was his uh main intention but if nothing else getting that money allowed him to uh try to better the world around him when he could it gave him the resources to try to bring about the changes he wanted to see as far as actually using his music for change i'd say he was mostly lashing out against racism and uh of course the police are our, our overseers most artists who lash out against capitalism specifically don't make it very far i mean we were talking about this just yesterday muse is one of the only ones i can think of where they actually lash out against capitalism and still have a following or i mean of course if you want to go back a, f- a couple decades a lot of earlier rage against the machine was definitely very anti-capitalist but they've kind of cut back on that message yeah but there there were reasons that their entire catalog was was banned Now it's time for Daniel's Poetry Corner. This piece is called Negligence. Apathy and affirmation of bias begets negligence, as well as strained relationships and wasted intelligence. Barbarism is biological imperative breeds negligence, bringing famous gladiators to beat each other senseless. Competition for survival contributes to negligence. Common good is discarded for capitalistic compense. Desire for dominance disposes one to negligence. Delusions of destiny may displace your common sense. Embellishment of effortlessness eludes to negligence. Every day gets easier to ignore evidence. False faith for fear of failure furthers negligence, fast holding to fairy tales to justify our defense. Greed is good, glorification of wealth garners negligence. God only loves you as much as you give him dollars and cents. Healthcare is a human right that hindrance is negligence. Here we hear how our life only matters for our expense. Images of indignant ignorance exhibits negligence, its inherently ill-intentioned ever-impending impediments. Justice and juxtaposition shows jurisdictional negligence, just as jurisprudence is adjusted with racist intents. Kindness comes natural, the lack of caring is learned negligence. Kindred spirits connect, we can overcome with proper communicants. Love is lost as lust for luxury leads to negligence, levels of malevolence for influence and lavish elegance. Money makes murderers of men mostly from negligence mirrored by our melting mother's mayhemic climate events. Negligence is an extreme thing. Knowledge is nemesis. Nothing matters, so no need to acknowledge those pesky pessimists. Onerous obstacles are obvious allies to negligence, our ongoing outgrowing of old habits and arrogance. Profit motive permeating politics permits negligence. Pestilence provides proof of our perpetual petulance. Questing for progress means questioning the negligence, qualified constructive criticism quelling callous arguments. Racism's repetitive rollover reveals our negligence, riotous rallies and reverence to raging prejudice. Solitude makes it so simple just succumb to negligence, surrender to selfishness and suffer sorrow in silence. Tolerance for the twisting of truth is typical negligence, tell tale of their terrorist tactics, transcribe the testaments. Urgency is understated, our unmistakable negligence, undebatable climate science, yet we're unable to act on this. Vengeance's virtue is vexing, perplexing negligence, 
violence is not a viable avenue to sustenance. Wisdom is the way we must wage war on negligence. Working for the day we will weapons into obsolescence. Xenophobia and homophobia are extensions of negligence. Xanax away the worry, expect investments in antidepressants. Youthfulness is usefulness, resist the negligence. Yesterday was too late to appreciate your existence. Zombies will eat your brains, you'll long for the day you had better sense. Zealously, jealously guard yourself against negligence. This has been Daniel's Poetry Corner. I want to uh, read this quote from Kurt Vonnegut. I like a lot of Kurt Vonnegut's books. Um, I don't really know too much about his politics, but obviously he wasn't. He was very anti-war in the 70s and the 60s. And he said, During the Vietnam War, every respectable artist in this country was against the war. It was like a laser beam. We were all aimed in the same direction. The power of this weapon turns out to be that of a custard pie dropped from a stepladder six feet high. See, uh, there's definitely some merit to that because, I mean, Woodstock happened in 1969 and the Vietnam War didn't wrap up until 73. And it's like, it doesn't change that. It doesn't change that person other than maybe, you know, put egg on their face for a little bit. And that's it. You can just clean it off and keep doing the same shit that you're doing. And I mean, it's always easy to create a scapegoat for anything that does go awry in those scenarios. But usually they can literally just tell the people, well... Uh, I know you don't like it, but if we got to do what we got to do. It's America, and they'll just buy it, eat it up. Yeah, it still makes me think of the the fragmentation of you know people are only gonna follow certain artists and celebrities, and uh, the people that we choose to uh, to give our attention, and the people that become famous in this country. I think what they do tends to, especially what they do outside of outside of their profession or their their medium. Maybe maybe the youth tends to actually see and absorb more when they try to profess their values. It almost makes me it makes takes me back to the example of uh, like a childhood hero of me and my brother would be Michael Jordan playing basketball, but he very famously got uber rich and and got there by being pretty pretty well apolitical and not professing his values. He would take every opportunity to uh, avoid professing his his values whatever they were whereas now you see people like lebron james or really basketball players in general like boycotted a playoff game to support black lives matter and because of a incident of police violence against a, a black man and of course look how well that panned out two days later obama was like you got to get back to it and lo and behold they did i think that it that's important though is that it wasn't just wearing a shirt during a game it wasn't just tagging along and showing a uh, like a cultural signifier that was an actual you know say what you will if it's a strike or if it's it was a workers movement yeah of some of some variety it did something i think that's kind of an interesting way to live with if you are going to use the realm of culture as a revolutionary medium then it has to have a material connection it has to have something that's going to actually hurt the pocketbooks of all those rich ass owners in the nba or if you're going to write music it has to fuck over the people who run spotify you know there has to be some kind of thing that 
you know, you're not just using it to carve out a little niche in culture, because I think that's what oftentimes happens in capitalism is that it so very easily co-ops all of our images, all of our ideas, because capitalism, it's not an idea. Capitalism exists in the material world. It, it makes decisions to, to keep itself going, and it does well at doing that it, it, because it is such a behemoth. And so when we focus on creating cultural icons, when we focus on idealism as opposed to uh, making concrete change with our hands and with our feet and with money, and I'm not saying that you spend money, I mean like fucking steal people's fucking money, break, break their bank, hurt the NBA owners, things like that. Um, when we focus on culture instead, I think it's just easily co-opt. I mean, like how much of, how many normies do you know doing like Bernie memes, right? Like people who don't really know anything about the politics, but see him more as a cultural figure. See, I, I agree with you to some extent. I mean, at the end of the day, one of the only ways we're going to change this is actual, like a, a boots on the street type scenario to some extent. But the, to reference the Zeitgeist movement, we don't have that critical mass. Like at this point, we don't have enough people to strike. We don't have enough people whose hearts and minds have been changed to that mentality to scare the to scare the people at the top. The one thing that culture can do to our benefit is we can share the message with people who maybe haven't thought about it before, especially music. If And this is a part of the problem with COVID is it's much harder to share music nowadays. I mean, sure, you can link it to your friends, but if they're already your friends, you already probably know their political beliefs. You, you can't just uh, share music with people you know you meet in person uh, anymore. And that's certain, also just a cultural thing because despite having more people in America, we are more, segrega we are, uh, more segregated by technology than just about ever. But the idea that culture itself can't actually uh, affect things as well as boots on the ground, I think, is uh, kind of a mixed bag of correct because the actual the boots on the ground would come can come through uh, enhancing the culture. Yeah, in that vein, I think a lot of proper leftist artistry it lashes out against the corporatocracy that they work under, and also comes the best of it comes at risk of sacrifice of their actual uh, compensation through their performance. All all in all, big picture wise, I think. Culture may not be the catalyst for change, but I think it has been and inevitably will continue to be part of getting the messaging out and uh, bringing a lot of people to hear ideas of uh, humanity and community that they don't otherwise hear through, you know, strictly corporatized messaging and advertisement, the homogenized entertainment that can be consumed. And to branch off of that, there's something to be said for uh, uh, the corporatized uh, media. One of the best ways to help people who are trying to uh, break away from that corporate mentality, that, that, that pop music mentality, is to have lyrics that are unsubtly against that cast of... Uh, people you know uh going back to killing the name part of the reason it kind of changed my uh changed my view a little bit back in the back years ago was because i even while i was playing guitar hero the lyrics were very unsubtle it was very clear oh yeah the police aren't so great and you know i grew up in a household where oh cops are wonderful and they help keep all the black people from robbing us so it was uh, definitely a message i needed to hear yeah absolutely i think uh one of my favorite songs, my favorite Rage song ever for sure, is actually came from the uh, 90s Godzilla soundtrack, uh, No Shelter. And that that gets to that uh, messaging a lot also, but also says, you know, part of their lyric is the, the front line is everywhere. 
that's because we are anywhere you go, any, anything you do choose to consume and, uh, what you surround yourself with still the, the corporatocracy is, is everywhere. You can't get away from the oppression of capitalism, no matter where you go in this country, for sure. And of course, we're exporting those values globally as, as much as they, uh, oppress the rest of the world and then in the name of our christian capitalism they will do it yeah we have an empire and it needs maintaining one of the best ways that they've maintained that empire through uh the through uh, media is that sadly a wide majority of the music that plays on the radio is completely inane bullshit that has zero value to actual you know change for our country or our future and also part of why we need the leftism to come through in our culture is that we're also constantly bombarded and indoctrinated with the idea that, of course, we must be proud to be from the United States. And I'm proud to be an yeah. American, where at least I know I'm free. Yeah, at least. That's right. If you're not proud of it, then something's wrong with you, clearly. Mean- meanwhile, you know, try to speak out against it, and, and good luck to you. Try to uh, say that our fabulous country is doing anything wrong and see how quickly you're shunned. I think something that's interesting about um, like how well the capitalist system has, maybe always, but certainly now, kind of has a, a stranglehold on not just, you know, the cultural signifiers that come through our media, but like the production of it. It's very obvious that music means something to people. It's very obvious that it it affects our mood. There's definitely something working on you when you listen to music, when you feel that kind of shiver up your spine because of a cool riff or, you know, I, I think a lot of people have felt that a really physiological connection and response to music, which makes it all the more insidious that so much of it is tied to reproducing the ideology of capitalism, reproducing, say, the pursuit of wealth or yeah like you said like the pride in in being the empire the 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 pride in being an american the hard working american if you're you know we 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 do this individualist kind of feel good music without having any kind of substance to i don't know make it feel like there's a really deep story underneath and if there is a story it's generally one of you know rags to riches or it's something that you know it's not telling you about the real life experiences it's telling you about the idealized capitalist uh worker or idealized capitalist owner that's the the point of this music is not necessarily it's to entertain it's to dull our senses but it's also to kind of keep that background noise of pro-capital, pro-empire shit just chugging along. And I'm not proud to admit it, but uh, a lot of my favorite art and media in general is stuff that has very little merit in terms of actual uh, positive messaging again in a leftist capacity. I mean... Well, yeah, I mean, I love music that is comes from horrible people i mean like i, I love really, the harry potter books yeah horrible <laughs> there you go. um and there's plenty of things that i enjoy culturally that come from either movements or people that i do not enjoy and do not share any values with and i think that's part of what i think is important is that that culture you know it can affect us like you were saying dan like earlier um when you're at a young age maybe that kind of exposure is a bit more powerful maybe it does lead you down a direction 
But, you know, as an adult who, you know, I've done my own ideological training, and all of us have, by by existing in this world and trying to create a, some sense out of it. And it feels like if you're, if you're clear-eyed about it, you can enjoy the fact that um, a song sounds, it's a fucking bop, but it's coming from a person that is homophobic, even if that, I don't want to support that person, I'll just torrent it or whatever and still enjoy the song. And yeah, I do. I mean, I do try to pirate when I don't. Uh, I mean, I would never pirate anything. Never. I mean, never. But, no, yeah. I've never done it. <laughs> no, if I don't want to support a person, I don't. Don't come for me, FBI. We now go live to Balaclavaville City Hall, where the mayor has called a press conference. <laughs> the mayor will now be making a brief statement, followed by a short Q&A. Thank you all for coming. You know, I was listening to a very popular song recently in which the man who was shouting his lyrics implied that police officers were often members of the Ku Klux Klan. Why, I personally found this sentiment despicable and slanderous, at which point I looked through several other songs, and the effects of capitalism were decried as evil in all of them. After thinking long and hard on how to stand against this slander, I came up with a foolproof plan. Henceforth... Listening to music in Balaclavaville is illegal. I will now take questions. Um, Mr. Mayor, isn't that literally the plot of Footloose? I could be wrong, but I... Oh, no, no, you're, you're quite right. Watching the poor hero of that movie, Reverend Shaw Moore, get hopelessly overthrown by those rowdy teens? Well, I knew I needed to make his plan work in our small uh, town. Mr. Mayor, you know he was the villain, Next right? Next question. Okay, I've never actually seen Footloose, but I guess I'm wondering how you actually plan to institute this sweeping change? The measures you would need to implement would be extremely authoritarian and undermine our precious and very important constitution. Exactly! Starting today, I'll have cameras placed to monitor every square inch of this town. Not only that, but everyone will be required to put cameras in their cars and homes as well, just in case they try to listen to anything privately. I mean, you live here. You had to know it was just a matter of time. Hi, Mr. Mayor. I was just curious. What about all the music with no agenda whatsoever? Do you plan on making the works of Justin Bieber illegal? I love me some beeps. I know there's plenty of harmless music out there that doesn't spread a message of solidarity, but we can't take any chances. It's easier to just make music illegal across the board. Yeah, Mr. Mayor, I just don't think this is gonna stick. Uh, what kind of punishment are you planning to give people who listen to a song? Well, the first offense will merely be a several thousand dollar fine. After that, life in prison. Okay, one more question. What about podcasts and talk radio? Can people still listen to spoken words? Podcasts? Oh, I, I hadn't thought of that. Hold on, I might need to revise this bill. If I can't listen to my jams, I'm going to listen to Chapo Trap House and Truanon. Yeah, I heard the new season of Blowback is coming out soon. Hold on, never mind, never mind. That's so much worse. Ah, fine, you can all have your silly music. Cameras cost too much to plant anyway. I'm going home. The mail will be taking no further questions. Turning to another medium, if you look at television and movies in our culture, I just think it's such a strange contrast to live under, going back to 
you know, just being citizens of the uh, country that's our, our the, basically the empire of this day. Meanwhile, the heroes of the uh, movies and shows that, that we tend to see are the ones lashing out against the evil empire or the conquerors. Well, I mean, and one of our most popular shows of the last decade was a show about a teacher who couldn't afford cancer medicine, so he had to commit multitudes of crimes. Like, if that show happened in Canada, it would have been one episode long. Yeah, but does that mean, like, what changed? Since the kind of advent of Breaking Bad as, like, a cultural phenomenon, maybe more people are like, yeah, we should just have healthcare. But what did it, like, the fact that that had kind of a base of... Look at what this horrible system forces people to do. And yeah, still nothing. Uh, using that as like a, a crux of storytelling, does that change people? I mean, you're not wrong that nothing has changed from – I mean, and I, unfortunately, that's true. Very little has changed from uh, the culture aspect of our media uh, and, I mean, music, mov- movies, television, any of that. It hasn't changed much, but sadly, very little has changed from any other – things we've done either i mean hopefully i don't know if uh the Am- if they finished counting the votes for the uh amazon strike or the amazon uh, union yet let me go and google that yeah look that up all solidarity with the people of bessemer alabama uh, there is a third ballot review being run by an amazon workstation today so okay. they're expecting the vote counting to stretch into tomorrow i'm sure that i can i'm sure that they won't be right. messing with anything and i will certainly rely counting. on amazon to count those votes correctly i mean that's the thing like it's it's hard to change anything because the working class i mean unless literally uh, we hit that critical mass like it's mentioned in the zeitgeist movement unless we actually hit that critical mass it's going to be damn near impossible to actually uh change anything from any form of media i think that dan hit on that too early when he said that this is such a fragmented culture you know when i got out of school when i got out of my stupid art school I was a little, I wouldn't say excited, maybe optimistic because, oh yeah, there are all these little niche uh, media groups. There are all these little niches that you can find a a job in. And this is when I'm still not, I'm mostly like a bright-eyed progressive left lib, nothing, nothing crazy. You know, I'm like excited to get into these little niches. But in reality, that's still all very... That's transience. That's not really there. These niches are exist to divide each of us, you and I, from our fellow workers and from our fellow uh, working class people. But the the venues of that niche, the venues of our culture, are all monopolized, and they're monopolized by the capitalist and the capitalist structure. So yeah, it, they can spread us out, and they can break us into pieces and they can make sure that each of it, each and every one of us gets our own personal little realities on Facebook or on Spotify um, and we never have to interact with each other but all of us are still existing in the same world that is being created for us either if it's you know in the workplace or if it's on Facebook or Twitter sure I think uh, as you, as you said earlier you know nobody sees themselves as the bad guy. And I think it shows the success of decades of, of messaging, constantly pr- portraying socialism as an evil system. And uh, meanwhile, most most people, I mean, I think the vast majority of people, even in the U.S., would say that healthcare is a human right. And yet, as soon as you call it socialized medicine, you know, we we can never even come close. We can't we can't get it through. Right. What does a human right even fucking mean to those people? 
I mean, yeah, like we have in, in our country, people who actually know what Medicare for all is and understand it, it has over over 70% support. And somehow we've never even gotten a vote in Congress. <laughs> yeah, if you just say everybody has cheaper health care, then everybody's for it. Yeah, but cap- capitalism says that there are no human rights beyond what you can afford. Yep, capitalism is the only system where uh, death is part of uh, death is just your own damn fault which is why if you ever look at those like death tolls because of communism versus death tolls because of capitalism those numbers are so fucking skewed yeah also those death tolls because of communism are almost always faked and based on shoddy evidence because mm-hmm. again it's not about it's uh, you know you're living it with a, a very unscrupulous they they know that they can lie and that the base the system will keep it up. That's why we have so many people shitting their pants about China and Xinjiang, but there's literally no evidence <laughs> except for the fact that the CIA and Adrian Zenz has been saying there's concentration camps. And- well, I mean, like another brand of entertainment media is our TV news, which is where the average quote unquote informed person gets their information. Right. Very informed. Very informed by the exact same. Adrian Zenz and CIA and, oh, but I I watch MSNBC, which makes me a liberal, which is great because they just have former CIA directors on all the time to talk about uh, why we should uh, keep the AUMF. Yeah, it's one of the things I can't help but think about the uh, hundreds of billions of dollars we spend every year on uh, our military. with, a, with some of that money, we could uh, easily have a robust public news system nationally and locally a lot better than what we have. If we cut if we cut 25 percent of our military budget, we could still pay. We could still spend more on military than any other country in the world. And we'd have money for just about every social program that your standard socialist is hoping for. But the military, yeah, the, unfortunately, the military industrial complex is uh, is the end all be all of American culture. I think it's also important, like the, the the fact that they exist, like that's we'd be existing on a system that is profiting from empire, which is obviously not what anybody I think wants, because the 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 world, even if we had 75 percent of the fucking, you know, cut it down to a 10 percent, you know, of what it is, we're still projecting this system across the world. Like it, it, it's it's like you can't entryism the military, right? You can't really do that. I mean, I guess you could, and then like take over as like a dictator or something. But in this sense, where you're trying to take away like money from the Pentagon, it has to be kind of like abolished. Well, our culture won't allow for it at the end of the day, and that's not just not just because of the capitalist system, but because of the brainwashed masses who hear songs that are all about supporting our troops. Going back to music, that's a that's a very common thing in most modern quote unquote country because the genre country has drastically changed over the years. But uh, yeah, the support our troops mentality has become ingrained into our media. And our uh, and uh, what we project to the uh, average radio listener, but uh, capitalistic oppression is part of the reason I think that we we don't need a draft anymore, despite being an endless war. And I mean, we've declared war on we we don't even have to declare war on a country anymore. We just declare war on on an idea, terrorism. And we're basically at war with the whole world. Anyone who we, any individual who we think could seek to harm us, we can, we can go after. We can, however many millions or billions it costs, us, we can go after them in the, in the name of 
perpetuating our system. Those ideals are well founded in America, so that we so uh, we can let the artists, even the leftist artists, say what they want because the stuff that's actually being perpetuated through our constructs uh, overrides anything that uh, the small voices of artists with of a dose of sanity project. Meanwhile, in other countries, though, where it's a little bit of a closer game, where capitalism is starting to look like it might be on the outs, there is uh, a lot more suppression of the arts in in a more active capacity as opposed to just, don't worry, ignore it. It's not like there are no threats. It's not like we should throw out the tactic of working in culture altogether. Because look at Spain very recently was fascist under Franco, uh, as recently as like 50 years ago, maybe a little less. Um, and it still has a lot of those same fascist systems in it. And so when artists use their art to condemn or to, yeah, to oppose the system in place, uh, they are targeted. Uh, Spain has the most artists in jail right now of any country in the world. Um, and it's obvious that, that you don't put somebody in jail because they are powerless. I, well, you can, I guess. I should say we have a lot of people in this jail, who, in this country, who are in jail and in prison who are well, powerless. It's, they're pow- it's because they're powerless, but also because it sends a clear message. And with, for our people, it's a lot of like the marijuana offenses. It's because we have to make sure you know this drug is still very bad whether you like it or not. Right. You can always be fired. There's always this precarity to it. <laughs> oh, those poor Joe Biden staff. I mean, how dumb do you have to be to tell Just the truth? Just lie. Truces? Just fucking lie. <laughs> it's the easiest thing in the world. No, I'm not telling my boss I smoke. That was just one more sign of Joe Biden showing his true colors, especially when he said he was going to work on decriminalizing marijuana during his uh, campaigning. Yeah, yeah. Don't ever believe a segregationist is what I say. Yeah, for sure. The the artists that that do speak out are they're jailed because of their potential power. Their their message is a threat. All about signaling, and same thing. Like when we arrest, when uh, when there's arrested um, newscasters and whatnot, uh, journalists. And as much as we as much as we hold dear our freedom of speech in the U.S., I mean, if you go back to to medicine, we, you sure we've got a great system if you can afford it that has so many resources and and advances that can keep you alive at, at all costs. But uh, at the same time, we have so few states that allow uh, death with, with dignity. I mean, free, freedom to the freedom to, to die and not live in suffering with uh, terminal illnesses is, uh, you know, good luck to you. You gotta be able to, you gotta be able to afford your uh, grave. We already leased you your cradle. Yeah, and of course, you know, suicide is a crime and uh, assisted suicide, you know, physician assisted suicide is a crime. If you want the choice not to live in agony for years or decades at the end of your life, you know, you better move to Oregon. To Kyle's point originally, though, going back, uh, he is right that unfortunately leftist media only has so much sway because like when the outer worlds came out i was really stoked that that game was gonna you know change some hearts and minds because its whole message is capitalism is evil and then i've talked to people who've played it and they're just like oh it was cool it was like a fallout game i'm like the message the, the message of the game no don't worry about that sure and the same thing with uh with movies and television you know no matter what uh anti-empire message may come across in a in a story it's still just a. Uh, for a lot of people, I'm sure just a pleasant fiction to enjoy for a moment. Now it's time for Daniel's Poetry Corner. I'm calling this one Hope Springs. 
Living with privatized gains and socialized losses, each new day reveals what the true social cost is. The problems we create seem to never get solved because truth holds no sway in congressional halls. Our collective unconscious conscience can't help but ponder the monstrous preponderance of illogical, unjust nonsense. Pressing the population to pick from poisonous options and pursue paper with the passion perpetually. Profit preceding the people's needs and legal greed implemented effectually. Professionally pimping our planet for disproportional advantage. Procuring resources past what our poor mother can manage. Compliance is commanded via government standards and laws written by nameless, unaccountable bandits. To understand this is a burden carried down through generations of one nation under the Fed and divided by racists. And yet, hope springs. Even while witnessing a crumbling democracy, coming and going prophecies and an atrocity of poverty. We've possibly made redundant the Mephistopheles philosophy. Fire sale and hell as all hail our global soul economy. Just keep signing dotted lines and getting higher on our commodities while our true prize lies six feet deep as does our dignity. This has been Daniel's Poetry Corner. Well, we've been talking a little while. Um, you want to wrap this guy up? Yeah. If you are looking for good, uh, a good leftist song, the theme song to Outer Worlds, which is, uh, what's the name of that song? Give me a second. I need to look up the name of this song. The International. No. Look up The International. Uh, that oh, is the best that too, of yes. the communist uh, fucking slaps. Um, Here we go. Uh, the Fine Print by The Stupendium. That song is... Also very, very good. Uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good music out there. Uh, obviously, most of the stuff Rage has done, they've been pretty forefront about leftism. Daniel, you want to plug any good artists? Going back to the hip-hop artists I was talking about, I would say um, uh, Most Def and Talib Kweli uh, did some collaborations uh, and called themselves Black Star. Put out a, an album, at least an album or two under that uh group name of black star and uh they've got a song called uh thieves in the night and it uh has some excellent messaging thought-provoking messaging in it yeah and if you're going for something a little a little more easily digestible i was actually forgot about i was going to bring this up earlier uh lupe fiasco he has a song state run radio that is also a lot more like i said much more much more easily digestible if you want to share music with maybe you're not so communist friends and if you want more i mean like go ahead and look up music from actually existing socialist countries you know you can look up music that people in china people in vietnam people in cuba are making across the world there are a lot of different communities that don't exactly live in the same hegemonic culture that we have here in america but yeah uh hopefully that gives you some uh something to work with and there's a lot of good points to be made for music helping versus music not being that big of a game changer but either way you know never hurts to put out art that actually no make your shit uh, it's cool promotes the well-being of the people as always i'm phil and i'm kyle i'm daniel thanks for having me and uh love and solidarity yeah love and solidarity folks love and solidarity y'all what are we talking about Yeah.